Yes, indeed. Only in New Orleans, baby. It's your boy Wild Wayne. It comes to Mo Shorty. Big one, we made it. Ah, we You caught the show last week, man. We had oh, an incredible show that went in so many directions that we had no idea uh, that it would go. Of course, uh, we talk about uh, culture, cuisine, and lifestyle on this podcast. And we definitely talked about all of that in, in uh, <laughs> episode number two. Um, and now we're getting our grub on over here. I'll, I'll let y'all know about that. But today's guest is Mia X. The Mama Mia. Mama. Straight out the seven ward. Uh, cousin Mia to yeah. some. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Recent revelations. That's right, that's right. And, we and, are family. In, in the last episode, we had some groundbreaking information. I always say the world is small and it keeps getting smaller. That's right. Um, and we found out that you guys were kin. Yeah, we and, really are. And had like some parallel roots and... I've been knowing Sean for 40 years, right? I never knew none of this stuff. Like, it it was kind of mind-boggling to me because, it's, I don't know, it just came out of nowhere. Now, you know, I always say that you're clairvoyant. So, I also say things happen for reasons. Yes. Like, you kind of thinking, oh, well, I planned this out. You know, I did a big plan for this. And, you know, they say God laughs at your plans because he has his own. That's right. right. You know, things align a certain way. And you, like, you're thinking and you're racking your brain trying to figure some of these things out. But the book is written already. Yeah. You know, and uh, sometimes we have to learn that the hard way. That's right. And our steps are guided. That's right. So, um, th this, it, it took a long time for us to figure out this out. We've been running along <laughs> each side of each other in these streets in New Orleans for many, many years, yeah. for decades at yeah. this point. Decades. I never knew this. Almost never. three decades. That further amplifies the importance of what we're doing here on this podcast. Because how many other people are out there like that? You don't know their story. And that they can. It like, was the mention of his family name. Because we don't talk. We're so busy doing this, that, and the other, and the rat race and raising kids and fighting the tax man and yada, 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 dodging bullets in the streets in New Orleans. <laughs> like, and we don't, we don't think about some of those things, but, like, we have to be like the African griots and tell these stories. And this podcast is going to do that. I said it in the first one. I said it in the second. I am unapologetically African-American. Thank you. I am unapologetically Seven Ward. Thank you. These are my truths. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I don't need nobody else to try and write my story. Like, sometimes I get a little pissed, like, because... Our artists from our generation are not always given their acknowledgement, right. you know, as contributors to the culture and the music. I say DJs too, obviously, because I'm biased and I am one, no, you but, know? No, but you know, it, you need the, it's the, 
It's the DJ and the MC. Yeah. And they go hand in hand. There would be no Mia X if it wasn't for Manny Fresh and DJ Wap. Mm-hmm. Danny okay. D, okay. Day Boy, New York Incorporated. There would not even be. Matters of fact, I was Polo B. I was Wait, ne- that was your original rap, rap name was Polo B? Man. Well, now Where's the somewhere. beat come from? Now we getting somewhere. Man. So Where's the beat? Me and X's first and group. So I never, and look, and Wap and, 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 and Manny, man, they are real, my real brothers because that was just a dumb little name I used to like to, uh, <laughs> I used to like to wear polos. Oh. And I wore them out. I, yeah, and hard but, heels probably. But check, but check this out. This is the first time I'm going to tell people. Nobody never knew what Polo B stood for. And Manny and um, WAP, they never told anybody either. Well. Drum roll. <laughs> I'm the first grandchild. And the four that came behind me mm-hmm. were very, 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 very light-skinned. Okay. I was the black one. Oh. Some people in my neighborhood nicknamed me Blackie, you was always black. And then some people called me Brownie. And some people was like, you little Brownie, you a chocolate drop. So I was so used to being called those names mm-hmm. um, that I was Polo Brownie. Wow. And so, Never would have known. And so, um, but, you know, rapping, it was Polo B because it was just easier to say to B. Right, right. And, and like everybody had that letter or whatever during that particular uh, era of music. So like, how in the world did you link up with Manny and Wop and Denny? Like, I know Manny's dad, Sabu, was the DJ of the Seven Ward, and right? the first mobile DJ ever. He was before his time. Sabu used to have a band and you could paid Sabu money and he'll park in your block and he was the first block party DJ before right. it was even DJs. Sabu was such a innovator. I am not surprised at how talented Manny is. I remember Manny getting his first keyboard, um, Manny having the turntables on the, on the top bunk of his bed and, and Sabu believing in him. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. anytime Manny wanted some type of um, equipment, like that was made possible so that his mind can create. And that's why he is one of the most innovative producers right. of our time and one of the dopest DJs. But um, so we all from the Seven Ward. Hard head. Round the corner. Hard head. We all from the Seven Ward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, recent revelation. Okay. We all are from the Seven Ward. So we all from the Seven Ward. Man was from the scatter site and Watt was from up the street and I was from round the corner and Denny was from round the corner. But Denny... It's from Hollis, Queens. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he moved to New Orleans. And he was an MC. Okay. And he linked up with Manny and them, and they had New York Incorporated. And we used to go to this place called the Pentagon. Now, in the Seven Ward. In the Seven Ward. It later. That was agriculture then, which is, what's it called now? Oh, uh, it the- was, it was, it was, no, no, it was London Avenue. Oh, AP right, Turo right. is what it is now. Right, right. But um, it, you know, the Pentagon sat on London Avenue and and Galvis. Mm-hmm. So uh, it later became the million dollar spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. And then um, fusions. Uh-huh. But we used to be upstairs. The pit, we was in the ballroom upstairs. So um, you know, I fell in love with hip hop in 1979, and then when shout out to Angie Stone when the sequence dropped in 80. You know, fun. 
you. What the hell you come in here for? Okay. There we go. Didn't Angie marry somebody from New Orleans or Louisiana? You know, she told me that her guy is from Louisiana. She told me that years ago. But um, so I used to write raps between the sequence and Millie Jackson doing mm-hmm. I Had to Say It. That was her rhyme. Millie Jackson uh, let me know that I could cuss in my raps. But um, right. we went to the Pentagon, and I remember Manny and Wap was on the stage. It was 1984, and it was like, we, anybody could rap? So my little cousins rocking. It was like an open mic? Yeah, and it was okay. like, me, go rap. So... I remember Manny dropped It's Yours. That's the first instrumental. Teela Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. First yeah. instrumental yeah. I ever rocked off. So Manny was like, dang, Mia, you're good. I didn't know that you knew how to rap. Polo so, B. That's right. <laughs> so then that same night, it was another lady from across the front, um, Tanel. She could rap too. Oh. She got up there and rapped. So it was. Me and Tanel, we were the girls. It was a battle? No. Y'all was on the same we, team. We was, we was so just, y'all were everybody was just up rapping. Okay. But they liked uh, me and Tanel the best. Uh-huh. So me and Tanel joined New York Incorporated. The thing about New York Incorporated, what I, I need people to understand about this here, the mind of Manny Fresh and WAP, we were children. They negotiated a deal where every Friday we rented a ballroom in the Clarion Hotel and gave a, a disco. Yeah, we called the discos back and then. And hops, they called them back then sometimes. Um, but then they did the ultimate in gangster. They negotiated a Saturday night with Showbiz Pizza Place. Over on uh, Gentilly. Gen- it was Chef Mentor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they. They will move all of the um, equipment and the stage where the little uh, the animals You know, that's right. really crazy because Manny talks about it in one of the archive videos because he was, like, not really the shit yet. Mm-hmm. But, like, the brown clowns, I think. Yes, and, let me tell you and, uh, what it was. The it, jam patrol, that, I and think. And that was, that was my cousin, my, my cousin, my cousin Mark Foshay. You know, they was, it was the brown clowns. And it was Jam Patrol. And even with Greg and them, Greg and Sporty, Tanya P and them, ERC, they was the rescue and, and crew. DJ Rooster, right. my man Big Bruce. Bruce That's used right. to be a DJ. I don't know That's if you right. knew yes. that. He was yes. cold with his little wavy hair. So <laughs> many, so many DJ crews. Yeah. But we was the youngest, uh-huh. the most diverse, because it was ladies in the crew as well. So we did the showbiz pizza place. Then they kicked it up a notch. Next we go into the Superdome. And I tell a lot of people, I'm like, we were children, and we was doing what a lot of adults can't do today. Like, we really was making established nights where hundreds and hundreds of children was coming out to party with us. And then also, shout out the late, great, you know, Mr. Eli from Ghost, Ghost. Productions. Mr. Eli took a notice and a liking into us. Mm-hmm. And so when he would throw all of the rap attack jams, he allowed us to open up. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine? I'm 14. Did he, he rode y'all around in limos too? Yes. Because he had the limo company. So so y'all got the, the we full fo- superstar Look, experience. we 14. We opening up uh, at the time. It was Run DMC. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith was Jazzy Jeff. 
Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. It was they was a group then. Um, it was Cool Modi. It was LL Cool J. We was opening up for all these people. We opening up for LA Dream Team, Dougie Fresh, mm -hmm. because Mr. Eli was putting us in a position to do so. Now, Greg, um, they was the rescue crew, and then him and Sporty T and Baby T and Kenny D. Rest in peace to Baby T and Kenny D. They formed the Ninja Crew. That's right. So Greg would call me on the phone. He would say, say, boo, how much time y'all have? Greg and me? Oh, <laughs> we get that history now. We get that history <laughs> so, um, now. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm yeah. saying, oh, Greg, we have 25 minutes, but I don't think we're going to rock that long. Man, you think we could get even if it's three minutes? And I would say, Greg, we did want to know, can they come in and do some stuff? Well... As a result of that, Gregory D and Sporty T and Baby T got signed right. to Foresight Records. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, they, they got a deal because someone saw them when they opened up, you know. And um, Greg was at Kennedy at that time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was time that you all allowed it to him? Yeah, we would okay. always allot this time because we, we were always the ones that was on. And we would just do like Tanel and I would do a couple of raps. And mainly Manny and them would be... Uh, you know, cutting and scratching. And Denny was really the quintessential MC. He could really hold a crowd and control them and get them to say whatever it was he wanted them to say. Um, I call and repeat. Yes, he was definitely like the master of that. You know, but um, when, I, when I talk about New York Incorporated, I like to always make people understand like the history that was made then because it is a forgotten history because it's before social media. Right, right, You know, right. Um, it is back in the days of Polaroid cameras and um you know then Katrina happened and we lost so much stuff but you know we really had a business mind because I feel like myself and Manny we were kinder spirits with this part no matter what people thought we could do as far as being in school and excelling mm -hmm. hip-hop was something that was just in us and we were supposed to do that right like, right you know we, there was we, no denying it. no it was like the book is our written. first the book is written boyfriend and girlfriend was hip-hop mm -hmm. you know like that's the first person the first thing we cut school for mm -hmm. the grade slipped behind we didn't care about nothing but raps and my mom had an album collection of like over 8,000 albums wow. you know and she would give my DJ friends she felt it like okay well if this is what you're saying you're gonna do then this, I'm gonna this, do this new thing called rap yes right but my mom understood the verbiage and she understood the stories in hip-hop so when people would come in our house and you know like NWA blasting the ghetto boys blasting Mama let you play that that loud. I'm like, no, my mom in the kitchen cooking that's hard. <laughs> right, right. I'm not right. playing that. <laughs> I can't get away with playing that. Right. Mom that's playing my that. mama. That's my mama playing no sellout by the ghetto boys. Right, that's right, my right, mama right. in there. You know, public enemy, I'm sure too. Oh, yes, she I'm cooked. enjoying Wait it. Wait a minute, my mom. So uh this 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 girl was dating my cousin Gina Tillman, but she had she <gasps> she was like, Gina. Okay. So wait, Gina Wait, Gina, Gina? Gina. Look, everybody like Gina, Gina. Hey, Gina. Hey, Gina, tell me. Gina brought uh, Public Enemy to New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she came by the house and she said, Ro, you know they eat like you. That's what they used to call my mama, Ro. Okay. You can make them some, that cabbage that you make for us. And my mom made the cabbage. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The it, meatless cabbage. It was always Public Enemy, 
and Boogie Down Productions being played, you right. know, in the house. But also, NWA, Ghetto Boys, like my mom understood right. the stories, the mentalities mm -hmm. of different people because she was dealing with all kind of people. So, um, you know, like I said, I just like to put that history out there and then get all my fans that's from different states to understand, no, I'm not from New York. I was never, ever, ever born in New York. I right. wasn't raised in New York. I was part of New York Incorporated, and um, so was Manny Fresh, right. and so was DJ Wap. But we were children, naturally New Orleans children. We made a friend in Denny D. Mm -hmm. He came here from Queens. Right. You know. So you guys never really experienced the national stardom as New York Incorporated. It no. was a it was a on the block popularity v very around the city. Around the People city. knew cuz there was a thriving hip hop scene. It was not the normal one. We had made our own thing. You know, cuz we weren't rapping like New Yorkers per se. We had a little southern thing going on. But, like you said, you know, Greg popped out there and did some big things. Um him and Manny. Mm -hmm. Uh that was huge. And then Warren Mays, like one of the first to get a national, get deal, a national deal with Get It Girl. Yeah, because I wrote that. Now, wait, you, See, you wrote so it? So I wrote, it wrote Get It Girl, Back in Out the Game, Gotta Be Ripped, one of the whole stop. album. Get It Girl, yeah, don't, don't stop. stop. So mad because he couldn't say shiver, he said scribble. <laughs> so mad because he didn't sound out, um, lick your belly button, he said lick your belly button. So so mad at um when he was he didn't want to pronounce the words but he was like I got it I got it I got it and he did because get it girl was a movement from a hairstyle to shorts to what? a dance it took off no not it even just off. that there was a group of girls that were the, the get, get it girls, girls. That's, that's right, right. like right. so many chicks like I was I was the get it girl when I was little yeah uh, like teenager or whatever they performed at jazz fest I think I remember yes, that the get it girls it was crazy but was every neighborhood down. had a group. Every neighborhood had a group that considered themselves the Get It Girls. We had one in Shrewsbury. Kenner had one. Right. It was the Get It Girls. Now, they would go to the skating rings. They would go to the local right. parties. And it would be the Kenner Get It Girls or the Shrewsbury Get It Girls. Okay. Uh, Holly Grove. Every group had, every neighborhood had a group of mm -hmm. Get It Girls. But there was a one group of Get yeah, It that Girls. People, so, they used to actually dance with Warren. Um, so, why did you write for them? Like, y'all were like. So, you know, that that's my uh, daughter's father. Y'all was. Yeah. Dating? Did y'all ever get married or anything? No, no just dating. We, we was dating and um, and he got busted in a. He had a, a million dollar cash bond. Okay. And um, so it took thirty days for that for him to get that bond. And when he got out of jail, I was like, "Well, the people on you, what you gonna do?" Mm -hmm. And he was like, I really want to do music. Now, his daddy was the one that always did, you make me nasty. Right. Mm -hmm. you that was make everybody me knew. Wrong, his son. daddy, Swinging Gates, was a, a good dancer mm -hmm. and just an all-around good-like MC. He could get in the ballroom and just rock a crowd. Mm -hmm. And so Warren had a knack like that, too. Warren actually could DJ. He would come from behind the DJ booth, go in the middle of the floor, and the whole club with him would do these little dances with back. him. With, with the Indian braids dangling. Yeah, because, you know, everything, he was he was very tribal. Right. So, um. For folks that don't know, like, he always wore these Indian braids. like. Braids. But I tell you what, I met him, and the braids was this long. And um, after we started seriously dating, I said, I just would like to see your hair cut. And one day he came, and it was cut. What? 
cut low in waves. Power to pee, huh? Cut. That's what I see. <laughs> cut low in waves. So, um, he's. I told him. I said, you know, you ought to do something with that. You make me nasty. He would always do it to too short, to right. instrumental. To mm-hmm. uh, I ain't tripping. And so, um. Oh, when that would come on, people just knew he was going to say that. And everybody said, I want some excitement and I need some fun. So, I can yes. see it. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm going to make something around that. Mm-hmm. And for him, you know, he he always had a lot of girls. You know, me and his sisters laugh sometimes because I tell him, you know, remember the girls used to throw ice at me, used I'm, to be mad. <laughs> I've met a number of children that have let, told well, me let that. Let me explain something to you. So Doug and Fresh say, I want you to meet this uh, this boy half Puerto Rican it would have faced it was Warren's mm. Doug said you know when he used to be coming up here to New York he had met this broad mm-hmm. so he had this baby um with this girl right it's about my daughter says 20 mm-hmm. it's about 20 and um I know the children are from like 37 to Almost 20, because someone was pregnant when he was murdered. Mm-hmm. So that child in 99, uh, that child was uh, was born in uh, either 99 or 2000. Mm-hmm. So that's the last child. Let's see. Uh-huh. <laughs> but from 37 to like 19 is all of these children. They all, I said the, the kids, I call them the Lion King. They all have right, big, big right. hair and they all have these features and a lot of them like my daughter and about eight or nine of them have hazel eyes. Um, but they are, what I like about the children, they keep in touch right, right. and they are close. And that is extremely important to me because when you have somebody that have all these children, them children can meet each other and go together. You understand right. what I'm saying? You better check. Yes. Right, right. You so, know what? This is a, probably a crazy question but did y'all do any publishing agreements no so let me tell you so he got said what was the label he got signed to it was a major label it was atlantic it was atlantic right it was atlantic um but he only did i, I just kind of remember because that's when i was first coming off the porch in the radio he business. did the album after get it girl get it girl was what made them the sign single him. right and they got had, him the deal mm-hmm. and they yeah. did an album i don't think the album did so hot no it didn't because I, I didn't even know if it came out or not because by that time i had started on payback you weren't on the writer's credits or nothing no i was just like well here take it that was your boo well no yeah i mean that was my boo but you know what it was for me um, writing songs had came so easy because to this day I probably have like twelve crates and they full of notebooks. But did you? But did you know the business at that time? No, did you know I didn't anything know about the business. Publishing I was anything eighteen like years old. I didn't right. know anything about the business. It was fun. I don't think he knew anything about the business. But let me tell you this: every time he got broke off, he came with money. You know, like the, these people gave me a check. You know, um, and I think it was the taboo. Now let's let's put things into perspective. The taboo of, you know, hip-hop being a male-dominated industry, and most of the girls to this day have writers. And you're not going to find too many men that's going to even want to say that my my album and my whole concept is from a girl. Wow. And um, even, even, you know, my tenure at No Limit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You don't want to say that girl did that, but thanks to my brothers, a lot of them at No Limit put it in perspective and be like, well, Mia was really, you know. She was writing. She was pinning these these hits. Now we're getting deep. So, you know, you have to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody always wants to tell you about who wrote for this girl and who wrote for that girl, but when it comes down to, you know, will a guy really stand up and say, yeah, it's dope, you know, what happened? My little sister had wrote these (laughs) rhymes for me. You know, they're not not going to do that. When I don't see why because this is something that I need everybody to think about. It's machissimo. They're not going to do it. But but think about this. Maybe in today's society. But yep. at that time no, absolutely right. not. Right. But I'm trying to tell you why it should be absolutely. So usually the person who tells you not to keep any licks is your mama. Your mama is going to tell you you better go out there and you don't let them run you because mm, right. you got to play out here every day. That's right. So you better go out there. You ain't scared of them. And right. so if they beat you up, you're going to fight them so they don't pick with you no more. Right. That is your mom. She is your first teacher. She teaches you how to form the sentences. Mm-hmm. She teaches you how to have your own back. So for you not to think your mama is not a gangster rapper is crazy. Because most of your game came from mama. And if you grew up in a two-parent household, a lot of times daddy was working. And still to this day, daddy be saying, what your mama said. And you go, daddy, what your mama said. So, you know, for people not to be able to even um, conceptualize a girl being a writer and a girl being able to write such lyrics, you have to put yourself in your mama's shoes and imagine all the stuff your mama had on her back and on her plate and how she still handled it. But... I know that, you know, the way things is set up, you know, it's just like, oh, uh, the, a man did it. Sometimes when a girl, I, I, people kept telling me, you couldn't have wrote that. I don't think that it's a, a situation where people can't conceptualize it. And the operative word is can't. Mm-hmm. I just think they won't. They won't. Because people say, recognize, like, the strength of women. Like, people understand these things, but sometimes they minimalize it. For their own benefit. Yeah. I've been guilty of that myself. I ain't even gonna lie. But it's just, I think it's human nature sometimes. Yeah. So I, We don't even take it personal, Wayne. Right. I think the other thing is sometimes women do things so effortlessly where it gets taken for granted. Yeah. Like there's a million people that say, I could do a Wild Wayne does. You can't. Until it's time to be Wild Wayne. I just, well, I just, I have, I just I make it look easy. Right. Look, I had a friend. People can't rap like you. I had a friend they tell can't me write like she you. had to work 10 times as hard as me because I have an easy job. And I said, no, see, the thing is, it's not just about can you write a song. Can you write one they like and they're going to support and buy? And are they going to support this for until the end of time? Will they be bringing, you know, like in my case, I've been blessed. I've been going to concerts lately, and I've been meeting people saying, hey, this is Mia, she's 21. This is Mia, she's 25. This is Mia, she's 24. We named her after you. Wow. Wow. So that's been like... That's humbling. Man, like, okay, I I really, the tears be coming out of my eyes. I'm (laughs) Crocodile Dundee. I ain't even about to lie. I I cry because it's like... Let them flow, let them flow. You really named your baby after me to see the unladylike tattoos. Right, and I right. know that that's not fake because that's not popular now. Right. You know, to know that this was a tattoo that was inked on you in 1997, and you coming to me now, and you a woman or a man in your 40s. And that tattoo stretched out now. Yeah, it, it says unlimited yeah. plus years. <laughs> you know, but the, the, the idea 
that people was behind the movement and believed in your music. And you didn't even know it. No. Because we didn't have social media. We didn't no. have cell phones. No. We didn't have the internet at that particular time. And so, like, you didn't know how far your music stretched because a lot of times you didn't know where it was even being distributed right. at. No. Like, that's a part of this thing that maybe the younger generation of artists didn't always understand. Like, they think, like, the artists of the last generation, or even the generation before that had it easy. Like, it was, it was... Oh, you had to put in work. It was, Look, you had to really get out there and get it. You had to get out there and get it, There's some artists now that are now working. Like, they, they have great ideas and are great writers, but they not putting in the work. Like, going to the studio, that's like the part before you hit the start line. Okay. And they claiming victories coming out of the studio. studio. And the work begins before you even put your feet in the blocks on that track. Look, I tell everybody. So when you can put out a uh, when you can put out a song in one minute after you finish recording it, and it could go around the world, it's a it's a cheat. It's like it's you know you know you're the video games they have cheat codes. That's a, a cheat code. You're cheap. You're cheap. You're cheapening you, the you process. You know, I, I tell you're them cheating. how we, you get we, out of it what you put in it. Like real talk. We would we would have to. You got to drive to every city and get out and you gotta hang up the posters and you gotta pass out the palm card flyers. That's right. You have to literally go hand to hand and you have to go in places and tell them you're gonna have a concert. And if you did not use radio and flyers, you were gonna be kaput because there was no other way. See now, you know, if you have a big social media following, once you send that out to them, then they know this. Right. But we had to really do it was elbow grease and it was it was hard, hard leg work yeah. to establish um who we were. But you know, at the same time, I don't knock the progress of time at all because right. as sick as I've been, I'm happy to be able to push a button and tell somebody I'm doing something right. because I remember me, DJ Cheese, and Jill with the payback with two cassette uh, recorders with the double things, and we was going. And this is right how, to record, record. to dub, to dub, four at a That's time. Right. Then um, wrapping them in saran wrap before we could afford the white covers, the sleeves. And then you drive to Ep Detour, Big Man, right. You know, we had to drive to all these different places. 49. Flirts. Newtons, flirts, end zone. You had to drive to them. And then. Discovery. You wait for. The, yes. You wait for the DJ to put Trigger Man on. And then Jill say, go, 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 go now. And I go and ask, I, I can get on the mic. So do payback to Trigger Man. And then you watch the reaction. And then you go, Jill got tapes in the back for $5. So do you were. Were you, you were building relationships also <laughs> going to these different places. Yes. That, that allowed you and to... And they supported me and support me right. to this day. You, you know, all of the clubs that's open, mm -hmm. all of the bars that's been open since I jumped in the game, to this day, they support me on whatever mm -hmm. level, you know, they, as a woman, as a grandmother. Right. But, yeah, we had to we had to get it how we lived in terms of wait for the brown bee, wait for the trigger man, and then we run and ask him, and then you rock the crowd, and by the way you rock the crowd, right. depending on who was going by. Where DJ Irv? Where DJ Irv? Okay. That's right. So how, how did the how did the payback happen? How did that song come to life? Okay, so after I did the album for Warren, mm -hmm. the itch came back to me. You know, me and Warren had already had a baby, and um, and I started thinking about my first love. 
hip hop. Mm -hmm. And I said I wanted to make a record. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table with Bunny and Mice. They, they were 14 and 15 at the time. You said their name in that song, right? Yeah, and it was they was minors. I had them all. The time. <laughs> no, they was all bucked with up. A fake ID. Look, they I was all, was all wrong. Right. But, but they were my best friends and favorite cousins. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm telling them. So all these boys is making these records. Not fucking that shit, fucking nigga. All this, all right? Sticking and shaking and your this and your booty so flat and you're this and you're that. Yeah, gotcha. So I'm like, I don't really be wanting to dance to that. Right, right. You okay. know, I'm like. Because it's kind of degrading. It was. And I, so the payback was degrading on purpose only because I wanted to show the men how it felt. And it was payback. Called. Yes. It was payback. So nice little jab. Nice so little that's jab, what right? it was. I decided to give them eight minutes of jabs. There you go. Constant. To the point where guys used to say, who hurt you? <laughs> I was like, nobody was supposed to be a joke. Why is it a joke when y'all do it, but when uh, right, I do it, right. not everybody. Right. Like, I got to be the hurt people. female now. Yeah, right, ain't nobody right. hurt. The angry black female. So um, that pretty much wow. was how the payback uh, came about. And for women, it was so liberating mm -hmm. because, you know. Where did uh, you record it at? I recorded it in in across the river at Diamond Studio. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Diamond was popular because he had been, done that. Talk to me now. His little voice had talk to me now know, and everything. And that was cruising down the street, thick, thick. real slow, Morero. So what the fellas be yelling? Morero. Right. Okay. That's where LeJohn from. <laughs> did he do like some ventriloquism or something yes. at so that time? Diamond had a, for the he, for the the, the gong shows or something. He was a he was a ventriloquist. Right. His right. I remember that. The little doll was so funny. It almost made me think he had a personality. But um, so I recorded um, Payback, and um, it took a long time for Payback to really get pressed because it was a, like a money situation, you know, and mm -hmm. then doing the $5 hand-to-hand-to-hand. Hand hand. Right. And that was working, but we wanted the record to expand. So, you know, lucky for me, Payback slid out there, and it went to Texas. It went to Tennessee. It went to Florida. That was a good thing because I was able to go to little places and just rock. And special, special shout out to his memory, Bobby Marchand. Yes. Um, Bobby right. Marchand did the gong shows, and he was he was a, a, a local celebrity. He was a singer with the Magnetic Band, but he became a booking agent. But he was even bigger. That's a whole nother story because I did I did like. Uh, I was a special guest at the Ponderosa Stomp mm -hmm. when they did a tribute to him, mm -hmm. and people really don't understand. He was the magnitude he was. of he was what he did because he was a charting artist yes. in he the fifties, sixties. You know, uh, he was one of the first cross-dresser artists. He's bigger than yeah. Little Richard jacked his style. Bobby Marchand was Mr. Sister. Yeah, That's yeah. What his name yeah. The, the Mr. Sister, Mr. Sister. Right. Right. and, and right. another artist named Escarita. Like, mm -hmm. if you do okay. some history, mm -hmm. they used to, all those artists come down here and jack our son. They used to record here. Mm -hmm. um, but Bobby, what a lot of people um, never really talk about because they just kind of get caught up in the fact that he was gay, gay. and he was, he did cross-dressing or whatever, but he was a hell of a businessman. Let, let me tell you something. Like, he did stuff with Dolomite. Life. Dolomite really put him in, a, in the black exploitation movies or whatever. But he was the he was the wheels behind cash money. He was the wheels behind everything. Listen, I had one record, Payback. Okay. Mm -hmm. I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Payback. 
from Bobby Marchand, $900 a night. Mm-hmm. One album. Almost 26 years ago. Push. It wasn't an album. I'm talking about one, one record. One song. One single. I had one record. Yes, that's what she got, the one record. And that's at 900 Wait, you don't want to pay it? Click. Look, he would hang up on us. Somebody's going to pay it. And they will call right back and, and give him that money. Look, Send the facts right now. That's right. He <laughs> said, he said, Mia, Christmas, come up with like a 20-minute show because I'm going to get you $1,200. I still had the one record. He got us the bread. If your record was hot and mm -hmm. he believed in it, he got that bread for you. He was working. You know, and so for me, you have to understand I'm a single mother. Right. And I work at Peaches and Walgreens. Mm. And I'm trying to be a rapper. I have my children in a nursery. Twelve hundred dollars was a golden egg Child during that time. It's a golden egg now. That's that's a lick that's <laughs> no, and then think about it. If you got two holiday shows for twelve hundred. Right, right. A full holiday so, show. So I used to sit in his office because I was, I was amazed at his wizardry, like, and I would sit there and either he was working for Dolomite, mm -hmm. booking him, that's right, or for Cash Money, that's right, like because they were just a couple of guys with some rap records mm -hmm. at first, mm -hmm. and he made them into a business entity, and. I was just so curious, but he was like the wizard behind the screen, he was. you know? He really and was. he was booking cash money in like Phoenix, Chicago, Everywhere. Little Rock, Jackson. And I would just watch him, oh no, you don't have transportation? Oh no, you don't have all the money? No, we're not taking click. Yeah. And he would just hang up in mid sentence because they were pissing him off. And they would call right back. Okay, we're gonna find the money. They will always find the money, That's and that right. was like some whole year nut shit. That's like right. it was, it was. I, I remember. And he didn't get. He never got the credit and due that he deserved. He didn't. That he deserved. In the bigger story about what he did. That's right. Especially with Cash Money, because they were just a bunch of guys rapping at first. I, I remember meeting Bobby Marchand for the first time. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just this little small kid. You and I together backstage at one of these concerts, mm -hmm. and and to me, Bobby was bigger had a bigger personality than actual rappers. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, Bobby Marchand came through and he was like, that's Bobby. Then, then the little he, rappers would be behind him. Then let him get like, on a stage, though. He was, he was something you had to see with his band. Yes. It, that, it, that's it, what I it mean. It was extremely just like a wow moment. He may have been your booking agent. He may have booked your shows. Okay, but but his musical talent, he, he, was, he, was, a, he, was, he was an entertainer. Large. Yes, he, yeah. he was large. Yeah. You know, a lot of people knew him just for, but if you got a chance to actually see him. Man. You got a chance to separate Bobby Marchand, a booking agent, and Bobby Marchand, a performer. Mm. Look when you got said. to see it, you was like, okay, okay. He, he said, I got it. Mia X, um, you're going to come to Flirts, and you're going to sing your record, and we're going to see if they boo you. And if they don't boo you, I'm sending you everywhere. I'm putting you on right after Lil Ham sings Fuck a Ho. <laughs> <laughs> Ham. Lil Ham from the West Bank. Ham. Yes, yes. Wow. So, you know, my first, and he was like, and. And, and, the, and the magnetic band is going to play drag rap. Right. Dun, 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 dun. So, um, doing Payback Live with the magnetic band, it kind of sealed me all around the city as there's this girl, she's fat. 
she fat and she capping on everybody. Like now they say capping is like a lie, but you know for us capping right. is loud capping and embarrassing. That's right. But um, she capping on everybody. And it was something to see. And they wanted to come. Wanna and see the it. girls came from everywhere because they wanted to be proud about pushing them eight pound babies out and things of that nature. But Bobby, um, he gave me my confidence too. Mm -hmm. As a big girl, you know, he was like, well, honey, you are dressed to the nines and you are going to blow them away. Right, and I right, love right. your hair. You are going to blow them away. <laughs> he helped boost that whole big girl thing. So by the time I got to No Limit, I was okay that the other girls were really, really sexy. Mm -hmm. I was okay with being the biggest mama because I understood that there were girls that looked like me too. You know, and, and that, a lot of them. Yes, and I didn't have to um, compete to get down to a two, a zero, a four, a six. I didn't have to do that. All I had to do was rhyme. I give that credit to Bobby because for three years prior to me even um, meeting P, that confidence was already in me. I didn't care who was fine, who had the little bitty shorts on. Mm -hmm. I was about to go smash that crowd. With a leather outfit on. Yes, with a leather outfit. Remember them outfit. leather outfits? With, with, with earrings? With what, earrings? What? What? The from door B knockers. From, from, from BBH. <laughs> no, I always wore. Wait, wait, you said BBH what? Leather goods. BVH leather goods. Kirk used to make my stuff what? Come on now. Well, yeah, Shout out to Kirk Pellerin. That's right. Come on now. Fur, sequence, leather. Oh, I used to fix them. What you had on your feet, Mia? If it wasn't Bally's. Bally's. If it wasn't DKNY uh, shoes. If it wasn't Gator tennis. You have to understand now. I just told a guy this in the, who, who interviewed me for Vibe for the 20th anniversary mm. of uh, Mama Drama. And he was asking me things about Kim and them. And I said, this is what I want you to understand. So the payback is eight minutes long, and you probably was in fifth or sixth grade when payback dropped. I said, but I think Kim was in ninth grade when it dropped. But the city learned about DKMY and Adrian Vitadini. They mm. learned that from Mia X in a payback. Mm -hmm. So by the time you heard Kim say DKNY, oh my, I'm dig. By the time you heard her say that, it had already been said in the payback. We was past that. Yeah, I, I you know, we for real. That. Matters right. of fact, you know, I got a jacket in there. I bought that jacket in '88 when Donna Karen launched that line. Okay. So you know, um. I always tell people, you know, with, with that sleeping on the South, they don't understand how ahead of the game we actually was. And, right. you know, we, we talk slow and think ahead of the game all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, I have to tell people that as far as fashion, like that was something I was deep, deep in. I was on stage in 84 in Norma Kamali, you know. I was really, really, really into fashion at that time. I had a cousin named Alma, and she was like about that, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I you know, I, I was deep, deep, deep into fashion, and... You know, I have to always tell people, we didn't catch on by watching um, rappers on the East Coast. We were wearing that stuff, too. It's just we couldn't see them, and they couldn't see us. Right, you right, know, right. Now everybody can see everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. but and, and we didn't have as many outlets for no, it. No, we, we actually They only we had a couple didn't. of stores that you get it from. Uh, what's about over on Canal Street? Uh, the Canal Place? No, 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 no. Brothers. Uh, Rubenstein. Rubenstein oh, yes, Brothers, indeed. obviously. Meet me and Rube. And, uh, <laughs> Remember DT Fashions mm -hmm. with uh, DeAndre, who was from California. Me and P did his store opening on the North Shore, and they outgrew that store in like a month. No, but and then you, they moved to but, the plaza. But you remember DJ Khaled, Mama, store in the plaza? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that store was in Bowden. It was a man's fashion store. It was, it was like across the, the way from DT Fashion. It was like competing. With all, all of the suits and stuff. Because, you know, every time I see Khaled, he's like, my mom asked about you. And I'm like, give her a hug because that really was my friend. He had the, the sweetest, sweetest mom. Right. But, um, yeah, Khaled mom had a store too. You know, it, it was it was just, a, we had a lot going see, on in New Orleans. The, the rap game in New Orleans and fashion went hand in hand. And, and, and it spilled over, I, I guess, to say to the D-Boys. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I couldn't rap. I never tried to rap. I've never been in the studio. That's not what I do. Right. But when it comes to putting on these clothes, you couldn't touch me. Boom. Mm -hmm. you, I, I don't care where we're going. Right. I don't care what we're doing. If I'm not in the top five, top ten in the dressing, we're not going. Yeah, he was but always a fashion plate. But that's what we did. I, I, I didn't do all of that. You know, when, when My family ain't had no when money. People say, when people say leather and ballets and medallions. That boy was fresh. Uh, we were we were we were uh, we were ahead of that. We did that, you know. So when we I used did. to see Slick Rick, Dana Dane, uh, the, the New York Cats, you know, people were like, oh man, I'm going to give me an outfit like that. I got an outfit like that. Right, right. You know. Right. So when I used to see you on stage, I was like, oh man, me are killing it. And people were like, oh, I'm not wearing that. That's that. Da, 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 da. But that's what we wore. Mm -hmm. right. You know, Mia had her style as a female MC. Right. You know. But, but the cats in the crowd, we, we had our style also. I see me up there with the ballet marinas on. You know, I'm going to give me a pair of ballet marinas. She had the saw blades, the, animals, the, the door knock, the animals. Everything. Oh, come on, man. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Mia, was, Mia wasn't just rapping. You know, she wasn't just the first female rapper that we, that, that, that we loved. She also brought dressing to the game, you know. But dressing for big girls. Because, see, that's what people don't understand. Big girls really did get shot. You know, like we really did get shop, shop, but we were overlooked because, you know, if you're going for the hourglass, then you're not even checking for big girl. You over there checking for right. little, little Mus girls. Yeah, who might have been a little musty or something. Say slim. <laughs> Say slim. Yeah. Right, right, but, right. But, but, you know, for me, that's what I wanted to empower um, ladies that wasn't very little. Like you still can wear your clothes and... Mm -hmm. Have your hair done. And, and Bobby helped you with that. Bobby pushed that. Bobby gave you well, confidence. He gave me the confidence because he already saw it. You know, he, he was always like, you know, oh, you're dressed to the nines. And by him always giving me compliments and always, oh, I never seen anything like that. That's going to be fabulous when you step out. It made me know that when I hit the stage, okay, I had already got the seal of approval that this looked nice, you know. So, so moving towards No Limit, you were basically – well, I shouldn't say basically. You were sort of a finished product. You knew who you were. You knew yeah. what you wanted to do. Yeah. So when you got with No Limit, when you got with P, they were getting a complete package. Yeah, and 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 um, when I got with No Limit, um, you know, the, the label wasn't a complete package when I got there. No, no, you know, no, I, I got no, to No Limit, and no, um, no. you know, when I dropped Good Girl Gone Bad, I was I was living in in California, and after the album was done, I said, Hey, this was really cool, but. I'm South. I need Southern producers. KL got to come here. He got to come live here because I'm South. I love K. Lou and I love Al Eaton. He had did all those two short records, mm -hmm. but I'm South. That's why when we dropped Unladylike, all of my producers was from home because I craved that on Good Girl Gone Bad because I'm just naturally New Orleans. You needed that funk. 
Now, I needed, did P and M know KLC at this time? You know, we had all kind of, well, you know, I knew KL, and he had met him, and they were talking about KL coming, but KL was holding rumors down. Mm-hmm. You understand now, what I'm saying? Now, quick, quick, real quick. My, my child's mother, my oldest girl's mother, lived mm-hmm. on Louisiana Avenue Parkway. Uh-huh. KL lived two blocks down. away from her. Okay. I used to bring KL to rumors. We will pile up the little Civic, that little blue Civic. We'll pile up the records in the crates, the milk crates. Mm-hmm. We'll put them in there and we'll, we'll drive the rooms. Now, I can get you there, KL, but I got to go home. So you have to get your ride home. So two or three days a week, man, I will pick up KL, drop him off, mm-hmm. and uh, he got home the best way in the he was He was holding rumors down, and, you know, it was, it was a good – It was a good. Um, a lot of people don't know him. KLC was a DJ. A lot right. of people don't and, know and that. And a DJ for 3-9 Posse, actually, because like, oh, remember, my, Dart I, used to be doing, like, a what? lot of the beats. It, what? I used to... Pass the snake? What? And, you know, I used to be broadcasting all the time at Rumors because it was Discovery first. first. And that's where I kind of cut my teeth because Captain Charles, Charles was spinning was, at, was Discovery at Discovery before right. Silent Pete got it as Rumors. rumors. You know that's what I'm right. saying? And I used to... It was like... Man, take this mic. I was like, man, I'm not taking her mic. I need two more drinks first. <laughs> and I need them straight on the rocks. But then after that, like, I was wide open. But they used to call, you know, they used to have so many shootings around rumors back then. Man, you, I remember, remember Kilo sh- used to be at the door? Well, wait, I remember they shot in Discovery. In Discovery. What? Now, this is not rumors. We're talking no, about yeah, Discovery. Right, 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 right. I had a scrape on my knee, you know, us trying to hit the damn deck. I remember they they shot in that thing, but guess what, Captain Charles. This is why I think, you know, Captain Charles is who he is. He calmed the crowd was chaos, but he calmed it. Mm-hmm. And once it got settled, nobody was shot in, nobody was hit, and the smoke cleared. I will never forget. He dropped. I got the power, and we act like nobody shot in Discovery, mm. and we went the, all on the floor. It's getting, it's getting, it's, it's getting, getting kind of hectic, <laughs> you know. But he he controlled that crowd where nobody was getting trampled because you know usually when somebody gets shot, you, yeah, I, I mean shoot in the place, you might have other incidents just based on people trying to get out. And Discovery had them steep steps, but um, it was an upstairs club. He controlled that. He controlled that crowd. But KL, you know, I needed um. I needed that whole Southern vibe. That's what I needed. That's what I asked him for. Uh, when P realized with KL on the team is what made but No Limit. Like, you telling this part of the story? What you mean telling him, how did you link up with P? Because, like, you oh, you know something. what happened? Like, people want to know, like, you how know, did you, you link up happened? with P? It was my off day. Me From Pizzas? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Me and Gio was going to ride the uh, Lafayette the Strawberry to Scarface concert. I probably was hosting that night. And, um, the tri-state party. Look. Uh, was it Bobby Kanye I can't or whatever? Even, I, 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 was it I college just, night or something? I don't know. And then the tri-state party it was Louisiana, Texas, and Mississippi or something like that. Was that the one like where that. you perform outside? Well, the they had outside, outside part, but they had this huge lot. No, and they used to sell sausage on the stick yes. in front. You, <laughs> you had to bring your yeah, own ice chest up in we there. Country. Like, mm-hmm. but every Southern artist worked they salt came through there. Bobby was booking everybody. Everybody. So you weren't performing. So yet. I wasn't performing. I just wanted to go check it out and see the Scarface show. So P came to the house and it was C Murder who told him, say bruh, because you know P didn't never be down here, you know, 
See, Murder used to be down here. So see, Murder was just like, say, bruh, it's this girl. Her name Mia X. She raw. So he came to my house. He asked Sharani and them where did I live. He came to my house and I was under the hair dryer. And he was telling me that he had no limit, but I'm under the dryer trying to huh? listen. So huh? I said, Ice cream, man. I said, you um, how long you gonna be here? So he was like, he's gonna be there, be in New Orleans for like three days. I said, tomorrow, can you please come by my house so we can sit down because I have to dry my hair so I could get the Lafayette. So he came the next day. Uh, wait, wait, you put P on hold. For your, for, for, well, for this is the, what you gotta understand. P wasn't that we big. We didn't know yet. who Master P was in New Orleans. Gotcha. Like we didn't know gotcha. anything about him. We didn't know anything about him from being a person who lived in New Orleans, let alone anything with music. We had no idea, and I didn't not not from a not from a music or street perspective. I hadn't had the babies with street niggas, and you understand what I'm saying. So I didn't know. I didn't know who he was. Okay. okay. So if he's you, just some guy coming yeah, up to you. Yeah, but. It was somebody's spirit that I felt like I wanted him to come back. So when he came back, this is what he said, and I believed it, you know, because it was the truth. He said, I know they have a lot of big labels. He said, but I'm a hustler, and I'm going to turn my label into, like, the world's biggest record label. It's not going to be the biggest southern record label. It's going to be the world's biggest label. And so um, I believed him. And then he said, are you tripping on the holidays? And I was like, what you mean? He was like, you know, like, could you travel for the holidays? I said, I usually have a concert. He said, because I want you to come to California. I want you to fly to Oakland and just see some of the stuff I'm doing. He was working on his 99 Ways to Die album. So, you know, from that day forward, uh, we began to make history. I told him that we needed lyricists on a label. So when I got ready to do Unladylike, I went to get Mac and Fiend because they were extremely talented young men. And I felt that you just didn't need a look and a beat. You actually needed lyricists, you know. So Mac and Fiend came, and then I said, look. That was our dogs. Mm-hmm. Our babies, When really. I was staying for Red and Mylon, our babies. Like, I wanted to do a label, right? With Fiend, Ricky, because mm-hmm. he was staying over there off abroad. Um, but in... By Galvis. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mac McKinley was, was on right on the other side GT, of Claiborne. On GT. Mm-hmm. And... The other group we were thinking about was the Rangers back then. So we was going to have a spitter, we were going to have a gangster rapper, and a bounce group. Right. But then when Percy came around, we kind of take the winner. And I was already, yeah. you know, working with Percy because I'm about it was an intro for my show. Like that KL did the track for, but it was a serve on track mm-hmm. that he jacked. Fucking <laughs> yeah. like a Winchester. Correct. That's right. what that Correct. record was supposed to be. And it became Rock Wayne is about it, about it, because oh, he couldn't say so Wild Wayne. Can I tell you, you don't understand how mad. <laughs> I, see, I have this thing about when I'm listening to the records, if the words sound like the, the words they're supposed to be. And I kept saying, but why do he say Rock Wayne? But even when he would be talking, he was like, you know, because Rock Wayne, them cool. You know, I'm, I'm about to go sit down with Rock Wayne. And I used to say, who is Rock Wayne? And then I'm like, I used to go like this here, Wild Wayne. That's <laughs> wait, wait, this is not coming from the lady that said he ate. Huh? Eight years old. 
Eight years old. That's not coming from Larry. Like, eight years old. That's New Orleans. FG. Eight years old. <laughs> right. Rock Wayne. Rock ain't Wayne. New Orleans talk, but eight years old is New Orleans <laughs> talk. Or Rob Wayne. I said Rob Wayne. I said, yeah, Rob Wayne on the radio. I said that, that's a school. It was Rob Wayne was a school. I couldn't. <laughs> but he said Rock Wayne Rock is Wayne. about it, about Rock it. Wayne. And I played that thing to death. But it was Wild Wayne, and that gave me like the <laughs> like he used to give me the chills in a creepy way. Like no, it's Wild Wayne. But yeah. um, and look, so Mac was just incredible lyricist. Like he was. To me, I always wanted to see him verbally spar with Nas at that particular period, right? And I was on Fiend's record when he was with Big Boy. Mm -hmm. Like, I had done, like, a uh, a little piece on on his record. I think it's called Vibin' or something like that. And uh, so I definitely knew them. And Fiend was, like, this baritone. He was anti-Fiend at first. Anti-Fiend. Um, and then, uh, so I was just like... I know well, I had no, this you, idea for a label. I was out. like, but y'all gotta go rock with that boy Percy because he got somebody, I, he I doing big things. Bring me to bring me the fiend house, and Mac was there, and so I say, yeah, I came over here because I need y'all to be on my record. I said, and this was gonna happen. After y'all get on my record, y'all won't be denied. Y'all gonna have to uh, come to the label, and that's exact. You know, that's how it went. Right. And then um, and I was rocking with Mac when it was Mac and Storm. Yes. So, and even before that, when he was Lil, Lil Mac, Mac. On, with the video right. on the trolley car and all of that. So, so, see, Murdy introduced <laughs> wow, you to crazy. P. Yes. Yeah. You introduced Mac and Fiend, and Fiend to P. And, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, now, and Odell. Now, you already had KLC on board. Yeah, well, see, because Servon and KL was close. That's right. And KL came when we all went for Christmas. But like I said, KL was holding, he had a real job. You know, he was holding rumors down. Mm -hmm. And so finally, when rumors started to fizz out a little bit, and I think whispers started popping hard, 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 then KL had the time and the mindset, okay, I'm ready to go and drop these records. And that was awesome because for me, the only record I got from KL was your boys on Good Girl Gone Bad. Mm -hmm. And I wanted more records, you know, from um from the guys from the South because they just had a way to a capture what right. I, I was trying to do, you know, and so um I was happy. Once 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 the label was um formed and and everybody was there. So many hits began to roll out. Like a tank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a tank. Like a round yeah. out the tank. Right. Like a round out yeah. the tank. Yeah. You know, it was coming. Like but a, a lot round of people, you know, when they talk to me and they, they'll talk to me about P, they always uh, make it seem like uh, P was somebody that we would have known. But I tell them, no, I don't even know how young he was when he left, like maybe right after high school, but mm -hmm. when they always, they be like, you know, cause how was it, you know, to have P? And I was like, well, I didn't really know him. Well, mm -hmm. tell me this, you, you were popular in New Orleans. Yeah. Were there any other record labels trying to court you? Were there anyone well, else trying Atlantic to grab you? Well, and Profile was courting me when, um, when, when P came. Okay. When P came, and, and the thing is, you know, like, uh, Slim from Cash Money, to this day, he's like, I always, I, I, male best friends, I have three. Sporty, Slim from Cash Money, and Anthony Boswell. So Big Boz, Uncle Boz. That's, that's my three male best friends. Right. Um, you know, I was always close with Slim. I didn't want to be with Cash Money because I was close with Slim. And the thing is, you know, so, 
But sometimes you can go into business with your friends and it'll work smoothly and sometimes it won't. And so that's something that I'm kind of not even willing to chance right. with friends because I like to keep that intact. But um, I used to go a lot of places with cash money. I just had my son laughing the other night. I was like, bro, we had a school bus. No, a New Orleans public yellow school bus. <laughs> we all was on a school bus. Everybody and baby and them was like, we just gonna ride. We were city to city. We just was getting out, going in these towns, and we was just rocking it, making a name for ourselves. You know, everybody was. It was UNLV, Kilo G, everybody, Pimp Daddy. Everybody was on a bus. Right, right, we was right. On a yellow school bus, and we was going to do our thing. You know, uh, this this culture in New Orleans, it's a family, and sometimes you know, in family. We split up, we fuss, we fall out. We'll always be able to bring ourselves back together. We've, we've seen artists diss each other on records, and now you see them 25 years later. We rock stages together. You know, we all have these grown children. You know, it's just, it's just, it's empowering to see the people that was this way that could rock like this way, to see the maturity between uh, UNLV and Partners in Crime and UNLV and Mystical and how everybody can make jokes out of these songs and Cheeky and T can make jokes out of these songs and I get on a stage with these ladies because I'm the oldest and I remember when none of them had children. Right, right, Now they right. have kids. Like, like T's daughter just graduated from college. Her son right. graduated from high school. You know, to see the twins with grown children. Um, I introduced Juicy and Trey 8. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they stayed in my project when I moved to California. P.E.B., get the kids. You know, so at, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, just to see all of this, you know, and, and to see me getting older and to watch, you know, the, the beauty of how these relationships and careers have stood the test of time, like, that's everything for me. Let me ask you this. So you have been an integral part of the New Orleans hip-hop movement from Jump. Not everybody knows that. You know, they know Mama Mia and No Limit. But we've clearly defined, like, your story. Do you feel, because I do not, that there's been proper homage to the artists of our era that have been the purveyors and cultivators of hip-hop? No, I don't. And it makes me mad because... Like, they talk about the brass bands... You talk about Fats and Irma and, you know, uh, all of those folks, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. But what about us? Yeah. Like, Why? As, as, as huge as Bounce is, you know, we have to give Miss T the credit for being the mother of R and Bounce. Mm-hmm. Like, she is the R&B Bounce queen of the world. It started with her. There was nobody else doing that. Nobody before she did it, mm-hmm. you know, just like I feel myself and Everlasting Hitman, we brought lyrics to bounce music. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we brought bars and serious punchlines, not just chants. We brought bars to bounce music. You know, um, I don't think partners in crime get the credit for being the ultimate innovators of New Orleans party music because these guys had so many hits. Mystical was really, really the driving force on Big Boy, but those boys had Big Boy on their back. See, and their albums mm-hmm. ain't never let us now down. Not one time, you now know. You're so I do 
I get mad and not just, you know, I don't get mad about the Mia X stuff because, you know, what is is what is and you can't take that away. But I've had some worldwide success so other people can hear my story, you know, a little farther out than they can hear some of my brothers and sisters stories. Right, right. And uh, I just feel like Miss T and Partners in Crime, Cheeky Black, they don't get the credit that they deserve after putting hits out, 25 years worth of hits. And the format that everybody is using now, which is making Bounce so popular, that was something this little girl was 15 years old. You can't stop me. Was that having things or something like that? You know. See, on on that old ass sofa on that cover, that first album she did with Cash Money. Singing her heart out and being a child that was creative and, you know, not getting the credit, the credit that opened the doors for the entire Bounce movement and not giving Tucker and Irv the credit for pushing bounce music out of their souls. And Jimmy Irv, too. Yeah. But but Irv rocking ghost town. Mm-hmm. And big man's. And giving us see Tucker and Irv gave us bounce and everybody came after that. Right. Yeah. Right. They pushed bounce out. You can't say who started bounce without fixing your mouth. And saying Tucker and Irv. Tucker and Irv started Bounce. I get conversation. I have these conversations with people from, from, from various places, and they say, oh, Bounce is a gimmick. Bounce is going to die out. Bounce never. won't last. But never. And, and here we are umpteen years later. They said that about hip-hop. They that about rock and roll. But, but, like, listen, you know, you know, like, everybody always come and restructure things. Like, okay, remember... Tucker and Irv, they did the chance. But then Jimmy came and organized it and made it where my grandmother and them liked it. Mm-hmm. Okay, because just us in the house and riding around in the car, I had my grandma in the car, and I'm, I'm riding, boot up, but shut up. Mm-hmm. I say, I say, and my grandma just sitting there. But then, see, when I put Jimmy tape in, where you at, girl? My grandma was like, ah, oh, do come it, with baby, the dance. Stinky, baby, mm-hmm. do it, baby. And right. then Jubilee came and gave us the word twerk. And then Cheeky Wait, Black. Wait, who gave you that word? Remember, Jubilee was first. And Jubilee twerk, was baby first. Twerk, baby twerk, 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 baby twerk. Wait, that ain't what I twerk, heard. That ain't what the rest Stop. of the world claim. Pause. Twerk, baby twerk. And then Cheeky Black so came. So that's our word. And then Cheeky Black came, and she restructured the whole thing. Twer- said twerk something, nigga. Uh-oh. You know, so... We gotta put it. We gotta with the beat by Manny Fresh that yes. nobody really knows because yes. his yes. name ain't on the and, back and, of it. And the, yes, the birth of the whole cheeky black claps was Manny Fresh. I, I, you know, we did Wolfpack Entertainment. We did her first record release party for Twerk Something at Whispers, and we found the flyers from that so many moons ago. And I think it was. Three dollars to get in the club, and people were hemming in. Three dollars to get in. Oh, no, talk about it. It was five dollars. Right. I ain't paying no five dollars. And I think we broke the bank. We said we just gonna do five, and nobody we uh we wanted used, to do it, but they did it. We would do our Wolfpack thing. Uh, we would have problems getting people in the door. Right. You know, three dollars was a lot. So what we would That's do crazy. is we would ask for a canned good. Hmm. Bring a can good with you. Bring a non-pass yeah. with you to, 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 to the party. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's how we came up in the that's game. So but we were always fans of Mia X. Yeah. I was always, bless, let me tell you. I, wait, I can't and, begin. And wait, and who, who, who I was with y'all with Wolfpack? 
Oh, it man. It was Batman, Slab, DJ me. DJ Slab one. No, I'm, just, I'm, put, I'm trying to put all the faces Charlie together. P. Hustle. Uh, that, was, that, was, that, was my, that was me on the slick. Uh, Big Well. Big Well, yeah. Yeah, Wolfpack. Wolfpack was uh, yeah. You know, it was a brainchild of uh, Wayne. Like always, Wayne hit me with this crazy idea. Hey, but I want to do some parties. I'm like, man, I'm, I got stuff to do. He's like, no, but I want to do some parties. I'm like, all right, let's well, go. We, we listen. I I love New Orleans. I love the pioneers abounce and the new artists abounce. It's always refreshing. I don't tell these kids what they should be talking about. I didn't want nobody to tell me what I was talking about when mm -hmm. I was grabbing the mic. But I do want to see us get the credit that we deserve. I want to see the artists get the credit that they deserve because, you know, I can listen to people tell stories, but at the end of the day, bro, I was there. Hmm. I was there. Hmm. Gotcha. Well, this is Wild Wayne Unchained, the podcast. <laughs> we are really uh, attempting to become... No, I, I'm going to rewind. I'm not going to say attempting. We are going to uh, create this narrative for what happens from a cultural perspective, uh, from a cuisine perspective, and lifestyles of New Orleans. And we're just uh, super excited that you were able to be our first actual guest on the podcast uh, for podcast two and three. Um, and, you know, we just loving everything that you do because we got... We got history. We got history. And we're related, um, too. So. Yeah, and y'all you know, are kin. So who, who needs ancestry who and who need all that? Here we go. Um, Just come on come on, Wild Wayne Unchained and we can hook you up. We're going to do genealogy <laughs> on the show from now on. There you go. Uh, but let folks know real quickly before we wrap up um, where they can get your cookbooks, uh, Team Whip Them Pots, yes, and so whatever else you got popping because you got a lot of stuff going on. Team Whip on. Them Pots. It's a cooking squad. We inspire people to cook. We just want you to cook with your family so that you can converse and eat healthier food. You know, when you cook something, it's always healthier than just running out fast and getting something full of everything. Um, I have a website, teamwhipdempots.com. It's T-E-A-M-W-H-I-P-D-E-M-P-O-T-S.com. Um, you can get my, you can order my cookbook from there. You can also get it on Amazon. I also have an ebook on Amazon called The 12 Days After the Holiday, which features a whole bunch of food to get your taste buds together after you're tired of the holiday food. And um, you can follow me on Instagram. I am the Mama Mia X, Mia X on Facebook, and the Real Mia X on Twitter. And thank y'all for having me. Yeah, Mia X, yeah! What's up? Yeah, the Wild Wayne Unchained Podcast. We drank some beer. We had the Wild Wayne Don Dada Jerk Chicken. Yes, it was uh, good. And shout out to my man from uh, Pickled Nola. Brought us some great vittles, man. The green beans are great. Uh, I like the cucumbers. They have a very bright and vinegary but flavorful taste. The carrots are crazy. Cauliflower is um, good. Cauliflower. So shout out to you. Thanks for sending that to the show. Um, hit us up if you want to get involved with this movement because it's about to be something serious. Hit us up, uh, wildwayneunchained at gmail.com. Uh, we got some sponsorships that are brewing already, and our subscribers are through the roof. We are, we are blessed, and we are excited about what's going on. And once again, we want to thank you for coming out. We'll, we, we, sign us off, man. Uh, sign you know, us you know, off. I just, uh, before, before we get away, I just want to say, you know, uh, shout out to my man, C. Smith. 
Yes. He, hey, hey, yes. He, he makes that hey. sound real well. Hey, my man D behind the hey. camera. If he can make me look good, hey. he can make anybody. Look good. <laughs> you know, you know. But hey, we're gonna close what we always close with. I'm gonna start it off. You know, Wayne, like you always say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We're gonna have some cigars and high-end whiskey on the next show, so watch out for the next episode. We out. It's payback time. So what up, get up, boot up, come on, what up, get up, boot up, come on, what up, get up, make up, suck up, eat up, pay up, get up, trick up, boot up, what up, what up. Brothers all around, dissing the women. I came to get you straight because I'm idiots and winning. I tried to let you slide, but now I'm getting tech. Me a X is in effect, so I'ma do this. Thank you for listening to the Wild Wayne Unchained Podcast. Make sure and follow us on social media at Wild Wayne Unchained. And for advertising or sponsorship opportunities, contact us at Wild Wayne Unchained at gmail.com.